Okay, guys, so these sermons from now till it gets warm again, my goal is to have all of these sermons be about 30 minutes long. Uh, that's to try and encourage all of us to gather together um, and keep us under word and prayer together, assembling together. Um, and so because these sermons are going to be shorter, like yesterday's sermon in Luke 24, that necessarily means that it's going to require us to cut even more out of the sermon than we would like to, to share with you. And so yesterday was a perfect example of that. Luke 24, 13 to 49 has so many amazing truths in it that just didn't make it in yesterday. I'm going to give you, I'm going to talk about three things, um, today. The first one is what we read about in verse 32, this burning within us. You remember the experience of Cleopas and the traveling companion. Jesus draws up next to them. They're not able to recognize him for who he is. They have this conversation. And it says in verse 32, after Jesus has given them this amazing Bible study, uh, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And so there are some in particular uh, in the Mormon church, the church of the Latter-day Saints, that take this idea of having the having our conversion experience be matched to a burning within us. Uh, they take that to mean that that's what you need to have a conversion experience. You need to have an experience, most importantly, uh, that converts you. You need to have a burning, and that burning is the experience that actually converts you, that reveals that you've been converted. Um, so they're less interested in the truth. They're not. It would be unfair to say that they're not interested in the truth, but what they would say is, you know, read the King James Version, the Mormons would say, read the King James Version Bible, read the Book of Mormon, and ask God to give this burning to you. Similar to what I said yesterday. Ask God for mercy to give you eyes to see the truth. But see, that's the part that's problematic. What we need to do is ask ourselves, is Luke meaning to teach us that conversion is in some ways tied to a burning within us, some kind of experiences of all burning? Is that what Luke is trying to say? And the answer to that is clearly no. Uh, that does not to say that we shouldn't have some kind of burning. Maybe we, we, we will or won't. The more important thing that Luke is trying to teach us is that conversion for these guys happened when Jesus opened the, what? Scriptures, right? So there's, whatever the burning is, it has to be matched to the teaching of the Scriptures. Well, how is it we know what is true about the Scriptures? Again, the Mormon church would say, yeah, read the King James Version Scriptures. But it's Scripture as it is taught truthfully. Right? So in other words, you're not just teaching the Bible for the sake of teaching the Bible so that you can get this experience. You're teaching the scriptures so as to arrive at the truth. That's what is meant by the word open there. He opened to us the scriptures. So there's teaching scripture so as to see the truth. And how is it you know you've arrived at that truth? Well, that leads us to the third thing that Luke is trying to say in this passage. That is, it centers on the person and the work of Christ. So what is this burning within us? What's going on there in verse 32? What are they, what's Luke trying to tell Theophilus and us? Was that what we need is we need the scriptures taught so as to arrive at the truth, the truth about what? The truth about the person and the work of Christ, which is the center, the heart of the message of the Bible. And if you get any three of these wrong, then therefore whatever burning you have is not true burning. In other words, it's not actual conversion. And so what we need 
beloved, is not to have some sort of strange subjective experience in order to know that we're converted. What we need to, what we need to do is we need to have the scriptures taught to us truthfully about the person and the work of Christ. And this burning that comes to us uh, matches to that. We need the presence and the person and the work of Christ to be uh, known and submitted to. That's what's going on in that passage. And that's a good segue into the second thing I want to talk about. The second thing I want to talk to you about is the sources of authority. When I say sources of authority, is what I mean is, is that uh, what someone submits to in order to determine truth. Uh, what is true for them uh, is determined based off of whatever their source of authority is. Um, and so there are four main sources of authority in the world that people follow. Uh, one of these is, of course, for us, Scripture. The other one is reason. Another is tradition. And still another is uh, experience. And the way that the sources of authority work is whatever sits in the top slot will inform what they believe about everything below it. So because we as Christians believe that Scripture is our authority, therefore we do not get rid of our reason, we use it. It's just submitted to what we believe to be is the truth. Uh, same thing with tradition. We have traditions, most definitely. But those traditions are informed and guided by the Scriptures. We have experiences, a lot of them. Uh, but those experiences are informed and submitted to by the Scriptures. You get the idea. And so for us as Christians, we see Jesus teaching that we ought not have our experience be our source of authority by having a burning in the heart. Right? That's not our authority. Our experience has to be submitted to the Scriptures. And so therefore, uh, we see Jesus teaching us in this passage what we need is the truth of the Bible, the truth of the Scriptures. Take a look at verse 25 of Luke 24. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer the things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, that's the Torah, first five books, and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He does the same thing in verse 44. Uh, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus' source of authority was his scripture. There was definitely, he used his reason. We would think about the parables that he would teach. He used the traditions, like going to the synagogue and the like. Uh, and he had experiences in relation to those things. However, the thing that Jesus pointed to post-resurrection was believing the Scripture. Believing the Scripture. That was his source of authority. We can think about poor doubting Thomas that's been labeled as such. We saw yesterday that all of the disciples doubted, but Thomas uh, is on the hook for being called uh, for his doubt, for being doubting Tom Thomas. And you remember what happened there in, at the end of the book of John Thomas wants to see the scars of Jesus in order to believe. And Jesus shows them to him. He accommodates Thomas's doubt. However, uh, what he says to Thomas, and by extension to us, is that blessed are those who, who do not see and yet believe. How is it we believe? Well, we see the Scriptures. We have our eyes. The eyes of our hearts are open to illuminate to what the truth is about the person and the work of Christ. 
And so that's what the sources of authority teach. So you can evaluate your own source of authority. It's a good exercise, maybe to do with some lost friends or even to do in your own self, right? Some people, uh, they have a source of authority of reason. This is a pretty common thing in our city. Reason is their source of authority, so therefore it's going to inform what they believe about the scriptures. I'll give you a great example of this. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, uh, most definitely his source of authority was his reason. If he couldn't reason it out, it wasn't true uh, in his mind. And so therefore, when he read the scriptures, he saw that there was all of these miraculous things that he couldn't make sense of. Um, And so therefore, he literally cut them out of his Bible and pasted together a Bible that had no miraculous in it. Uh, And that revealed, he most definitely used the scriptures, but those scriptures were submitted to his source of authority. They were reason. And that also informed his traditions, and that informed his experience, right? Experience is. So that's what happens when reason is your source of authority. Uh, And of course, tradition. We can think about you know, tradition being a source of authority. I know some of you guys uh, in this church, in our church, have experienced this. You grew up in, let's say, the Roman Catholic Church. And so, therefore, you are Catholic. Why? Because you read the Bible, studied, thought about it, and said the Roman Catholic Church is teaching the truth? Not so much. It's just that mom and dad were Catholics, or mom and dad were Jews, or mom and dad were Muslims. Therefore, tradition was our source of authority. We just followed along. And that informed what we believed about the Bible. Uh, we just saw that whatever the tradition said about those scriptures, that's what we followed along. Same thing with our reason. Same thing with our experiences. Right? Tradition is a source of authority. Uh, but the last one, maybe the most common in our city, is experience. Whatever experience says... Uh, informs everything else below it. And so you see this, uh, for instance, let's say in the discussion right now regarding the transgender debate. So because my experience is I am born a biological male, yet I experience these desires to be a girl, therefore uh, that's what's true for me. And so that then will inform what they think about Scripture. That will inform what they think about tradition. And, of course, it's not reasonable, but they're still using their reason in some capacity. They're trying to make sense of it, uh, yet their reason is submitted to that experience of what they feel like. Uh, and all of us do this. It's some capacity. We're all tempted to have our experiences dictate what's true. So, in other words, if, if something really bad happens, you know, someone might say that because there was a, let's say, a tsunami and many people died, therefore, that's my experience, therefore, the God of the Bible can't be true, or the tradition of the church can't be true, or whatever, uh, my reason is going to be submitted to that experience. Even if it's not reasonable, because I experienced it, therefore, it has to be true. And yet, what Jesus teaches us, we see this in John chapter 8, is that Scripture is our authority. And that informs for us our reason, our traditions, and our experiences. What I was referencing in John is in John chapter 8, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
And what's that truth that he's teaching? Time and again, it's the scriptures. You see it in Luke 24. He's teaching the Bible to know what is true about him and by extension about the world. Does that mean that we have some difficulties with our reason at times? We can't make sense of some things in the Bible. It's hard. The Trinity is hard. It's hard on our reason. But our reason is submitted to what we see clearly taught in Scripture. Our traditions, are there things that are difficult? Sure. Are there experiences that are hard to account for? Of course. However, because we've come to the reliability of Scripture and we see the uh, the example of Jesus to have the Scriptures as His authority, therefore, while it's hard at times, we submit these ideas to what we believe about the Bible. Uh, and that leads us, as Jesus says in John 8, into the truth and the truth sets us free. And by the way, guys, our reason is not reliable. Our traditions are not reliable. Our experiences are not reliable. What has been tested and proven true time and again, though there's not been, though there hasn't been without its difficulties, the scriptures have stood up to the test of truthfulness over the course of centuries as it's tried to be attacked. Jesus appeals to scripture as his authority. We should appeal to scripture as our authority in order to have life. We see that in Luke 24. Finally, what is it we believe about Scripture? Well, we believe in what I call the Christ-centered hermeneutic. It's a big word. Hermeneutic. Hermeneutics is just the science of interpreting the Bible. Jesus teaches us in Luke 24 a Christ-centered hermeneutic. Christ-centered hermeneutic. Christ-centered way of reading the Bible. Again, take a look at the passage. Verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, not just some, not just the ones he liked, all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Same thing, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, uh, he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins and repentance should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Uh, I missed verse 44. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of, the Mos- in the law of Moses, prophets, psalms must be fulfilled. So when Jesus read the Bible, he saw a Christ-centered hermeneutic. It, it was not a man-centered hermeneutic. In other words, the Bible is not primarily about me. It definitely includes humanity, for sure, a major piece. But before we get to humanity, we have to see what does this passage say first about the person and the work of Christ. And so when you're reading books, when you're reading the Bible, when you're thinking about Scripture, before you apply anything, this goes back to that burning of uh, burning within us, before you determine anything is true, you've got to run it through this idea, the same way that Jesus did. You've got to run it through the person and the work of Christ. That's good Bible reading. That's good Bible teaching. That's good Bible preaching is having this Christ-centered hermeneutic, having a Christ-centered understanding of Scripture. Whatever it is is true about what the Bible teaches has to run itself through this first. And only then can we be uh, arriving at what is true for us. And so... Since we believe this is, I've said this to you guys many times before, if I was on an elevator and someone said, you're a Christian, do you believe the Bible is true? Uh, I would say, yes, I believe the Bible is true. It is my source of authority. And they would ask me, why do you believe it's true? And I would say, because I believe Christ. 
And Christ believed the Bible. And so therefore I believe it because I trust him. He trusted the Bible. I trust the Bible. Because Christ is good. Christ is faithful. Christ is loving. Christ is true. Therefore I follow him. And he teaches me to follow the Bible. But I've also found those other things. It's reasonable. Uh, it is, uh, uh, I found it to experience the truth in it. But the most important reason why I believe the Bible is because Christ did. And uh, it's shown to be the truth. He teaches us that we need to understand the Bible in this way. Teach the Bible, guys, in a Christ-centered way. And there you are modeling what Jesus models for us in his post-resurrection body. And so hopefully you see that uh, exemplified in the life of our church together. Every teaching you get, most every teaching you get, is centered on the person and the work of Christ. I tell you guys all the time that if I somehow miss the gospel, miss Christ in a sermon, you should rebuke me because I don't do what Jesus does here in Luke 24, center my teaching on the person and the work of Christ. The more we know him, the more truth we find, the more truth we find, the more freedom we find, the more joy we find. Doesn't mean it won't be hard, but at least we can have hope of living in the truth. Love you guys. Hope this has been helpful to you.